0: This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. Let's turn to turn to our text, Luke 10, 38 through 42. We'll read and then I will pray. Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost not now care that my sister have set, left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this week of focusing on missions, Lord, missions here in the United States, within the Tidewater area, Uh, missions throughout the world, Lord, you told us to go, and Lord, I just pray that we'll keep that fervor up that we we'll all see ourselves as missionaries, and we thank you for our lives that we have today. That you've given us today of life, be with us. Open our eyes that we can behold wondrous things from your law today. In Jesus' name, Amen. amen. The message tonight is called "Sitting at the Feet of Our Savior," and we're going to tie this into missions. But first, I just want to give us a way of introduction. Uh, talk about our country. I've Love history, and uh, you know I love our. I believe us Independent Baptists are some of the most patriotic people here in the United States, and we have a desire to see our country uh, thrive as it has in the past. And we see things um, not thriving so much. We all have concern, but we do. I do live in a, a Christian nation? I believe the world sees us as a Christian nation. Uh, just a couple quotes here: Patrick Henry, of Virginian said, it cannot be emphasized too strongly or too often that this great nation was founded not by religionists, but by Christians. Not on religions, but on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Patrick Henry didn't mince any words about mentioning Jesus as part of our nation. John Winthrop, uh, the second governor in Plymouth, he wrote to the Pilgrim. For we must consider that we shall be as a city upon a hill... The eyes of all the people are upon us so that if we shall deal falsely with our God in this work we have undertaken and so cause him to withdraw his present help from us, we shall be made a story and a byword throughout the world. And we uh, I would probably say we all fear that, that our great United States uh, would be a byword. Uh, But our country... Uh, has had a great history of Christianity. Alexis de Tocqueville, uh, back in 1831, way uh, way before the Civil War, before the Civil War, 30 years, he was a Frenchman, and he uh, was to be a diplomat to the United States from France. And he said, there's something different about America. And I can't put my uh, paraphrase, uh, put his finger on it. And he says, I'm going to write a book. I'm going to write about America. I'm going to find out what its greatness is. He would write a classic two-volume book, Democracy in America," and he would say, uh, as he came to America, he said, "I did not find its greatness in its harbors or its rivers or in its fertile lands, did not find its greatness of America in its rich mines, in its world commerce or in its forests. I did not find the greatness of America in its schools or democracy or its, its constitution." He said, not until I went into the churches of America and heard her pulpits aflame with righteousness to understand the secret of her genius and power. America is great because she is good, and if America ceases to be good, she will cease to be great. And I believe that America's greatness resides in its churches and its pulpits that preach the word of God. And there is hope for America. And as uh, we hear the political slogan of today, make America great again, well, how can we do that? And we might think of some political way. But I believe the way we can make our, our country great, again, is by being good soul winners. Amen. Giving out the gospel. Because when people get saved, they vote the right way, don't they? And they become great citizens within our country. And we are all called, as Matthew 28, 18. Let's look at that. This is a missions conference. We know, we can probably say it by heart, um, Matthew twenty and I'm going to go ahead and read it, if you're there. Jesus came and spake unto them, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. It doesn't matter if we are going on a visitation, knocking on doors here, uh, where, you, where you live, uh, the Lord's with you. Uh, You might see a big dog, or you might be intimidated by a house or a neighborhood, but the Lord Jesus is with us as we go. Uh, I talked about Brother Jared today, um, Goulart, about passing out tracks, and and he mentioned about putting a track in an envelope. You know, that's going. We're doing. And we all need to go, don't we? Whether it's through your local church, passing out God's word, and we... Need to humble ourselves, 2nd Chronicles 7:14. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. And missions is about going, it's an action, it's about doing. And we, as our song was to uh, we sang tonight, is about going and doing. And that's what uh, this message tonight was basically a message about my testimony about doing, being involved in bus ministry, being uh, having children come working in, in Awanas. And, uh, we love that. Our greatest memories come from working in the church. Our greatest friends come from working with friends in the church. But the Lord had to show me the first thing that he wants all of us to do is to spend time with him before we go out and try to reach our mission fields that he wants time with us first. Let's look at what he says. Tonight's proposition, my, my message is sitting at the feet of Jesus. Sitting at the feet of our Savior. Let us examine the godly inner beauty of Mary of Bethany. We'll see her beautiful devotion and her wrought work and her enduring memorial. So who is Mary of Bethany? Well, we all need to be Bible students, don't we? This is the, word, this is the Bible, that we, the book that we need to be reading every day. I love to read biographies. Uh, but this is what we need to study. We need to know who the different Marys are. Whether well, it was Mary, a mother of Jesus, Mary Magdalene, Mary of Bethany, Mary of James, the younger, Mary of mother of John and Mark, there was a Mary in Romans. And we need to study, we need, but she is one of six Marys named in the Bible, and she is sister to Martha and Lazarus. They lived in Bethany, we would see. Uh, where is Bethany? Uh, It is 1.7 miles southeast of Jerusalem going down to Jericho. I've never been to Jerusalem yet. I pray that we will, but if you have, you know that going to Jerusalem you go up. Pastor, you might have been to Jerusalem. And they opened, this family opened their house to Jesus during the festival feast. Excuse me. And wouldn't it be great, you know, the Lord's with us. The Lord is with us tonight, isn't he? Where two or three are gathered together, Jesus is with us. I would tell our Bus children for 14 years. You know, Jesus is with us today. we have our own. And Jesus is here with us. Uh, but wouldn't it be great to physically ha- open your doors to your house to Jesus to come? Of course, there'd be a lot of cleaning and a lot of moving and minimizing. And, uh, but, you know, Jesus is with us. But to physically, and this family had that, that opportunity to open their house to Jesus And Jesus always obeyed the law. He went up to Jerusalem three times. He is the word of God, and he he obeyed the word of God. Exodus 23, 17, three times in the year shall the males appear before the Lord God. Three times shalt thou keep a feast unto me in a year. As you study the life of Jesus, that he obeyed, of course. And he would go up to the three feasts. And he would go up to Jerusalem. They would sing uh, the songs of degrees, those Psalms as they would go up, uh, Psalms 120 through 134, I believe, uh, as we're reading me and my wife are reading through. they would sing the psalms, and Jesus, we remember that Jesus uh, had no home of his, of his own, didn't he? He came not to build a, a physical palace, a physical kingdom, but he came to build a spiritual kingdom. He, not, and he, he had no place. Luke 9:58 says. Jesus said unto him, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath nowhere to lay his head. As he was uh, called himself the Son of Man, he was saying, I'm the Messiah, as prophesied in the Old Testament. But Jesus loved this family. He loves all people, of course, but he loved this family, Lazarus, Mar- uh, Martha, and Mary. If you turn to John 11:1 1-5, we'll see how much he loves this family. There's uh, some different stories about these, this family. This is a a scene before Lazarus has died. Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany in the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment. So we see that Mary... Uh, is the person who anointed the Lord, Mary of Bethany, and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sisters sent unto him and saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. Jesus heard that and he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and, and her sister and Lazarus. And he loved them each uh, equally, and he, was, he did a great thing. He, he raised Lazarus from the dead. Let's turn back to Luke, to our text. Because you might think, well, maybe he, Jesus was favoring Mary as we go through our story here, our first point. And um, what a beautiful scene this is in Luke ten thirty eight. Jesus comes into the village of Bethany, Uh, They went, he was with his disciples, verse 38, he entered a certain village, Uh, uh, a certain woman named Martha, so we suppose that Martha is the oldest in this scene, received him into her house. She had a sister called Mary. We assume that Mary is the younger, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. So we can assume that Jesus is coming up to Jerusalem, Uh, he's looking for a place to be, to Uh, to go up during the festival feast josephus would write that during this time there'd be up to three million jews within jerusalem you can imagine the singing of the psalms outdoors uh the selling of fruits and vegetables and lambs it was a great festive time but people needed a place to stay there wasn't your um holiday inns and uh comfort suites we like the comfort suites but uh uh, people had people into their homes, and it was a great thing to have hospitality. I'm sure there was a few ends, but not many, of course. And that was a great uh, thing to do, to invite people into your home. I'm sure the guest would, would offer uh, whatever to help out money or something. And uh, here's Jesus. He comes into this house. They're friends. And what a beautiful scene that is. Here's Mary. Uh, and I'm sure that we don't have to think of her as a slouch. I'm sure that she was helping out Martha, wouldn't she be? And what are uh, great festivals uh, centered around? Around food, right? Just like we have a festival, we have a, a, uh, a celebration of missions this week. It's set lots, lots of food. That's great uh, for us missionaries, but uh, and for all of us. But I'm sure that this was one of the fe- uh, the feasts. It doesn't say in this situation. So we can assume there was a great feast, Martha was putting on a big spread, and that's how she was showing her love. She was serving the Lord. She recognized Jesus as um, the master, as uh, the son of man, um, and that he was the Messiah. And she might have not known exactly uh, all that entailed with Jesus as the Messiah, the rabbi, but... uh, She was serving, making it, we can assume, making a big uh, feast. And Martha right there, her younger sister, was helping her. And uh, back then, of course, you had the modern conveniences of going to Costco and buying pre-made food, right? They had to go buy it, buy the vegetables, buy the fruits, cut them up, uh, have the coals, cook over coals. Probably most of the world today cooks over coals. We see that a lot in the Philippines uh, since when we were there. But they cook over coals, and it was very labor-intensive, and we, can, we see this beautiful scene where Jesus is sitting on a chair, we can assume. And Mary, the Bible says, to 39, and heard his word. And what a beautiful, we see Mary of, of Bethany. And she, uh, what a beautiful picture. You might have seen a picture of uh, this uh, painting. And I've seen pictures of this. And, and uh, we see that Mary was, spiritually attracted to the Lord Jesus, just like many of the people are, of course, today, back in uh, that first century, just throngs of people. As Jesus would go into each city, throngs of people would come around Jesus to be healed, to, uh, to, be, uh, to learn. He was just an attractive person. He was the Son of God. Of course he was. And here's Mary, and she, I'm sure that she assumed that she was going to take some uh, heat and some flack from her sister, Uh, But she didn't care, did she? She sat at Jesus' feet. What a beautiful picture this is. In ancient times, there was a master-disciple relationship. The master would sit in a chair. The the disciples would sit under the master. The disciples were attentive, humble, alert, ready to learn, grow, and obey. And what a beautiful picture this is of uh, Jesus and Mary. And uh, Mary showed her love to the Lord Jesus by listening to Jesus, didn't she? Uh, And he heard his word. Well, What was Jesus talking about? Can you imagine what Jesus was saying to Mary? Well, we can assume this one thing, and we're going to find out that this was what Jesus was saying. Let's look at Luke 9.22. Turn back a page. Jesus was saying one thing constantly, saying the Son of Man, the Messiah... Must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be slain and be raised the third day. And as Jesus would tell his disciples, you know the disciples didn't want to hear that, did they? The people of Israel, of Judah, they did not want to hear that the Messiah would come uh, and be slain to suffer. They were looking for a Messiah who would be like King David that would overthrow the enemies, that would cut off the chains of Rome. That would establish uh, Israel to be the the superpower of the world, uh, to bring things, to bring the kingdom of God. Physically, we would see that uh, James and John would, and the disciples would vie for who would sit next to Jesus. Uh, James and John would call down, should we call down uh, fire? They had a different picture of who the Messiah would be. I'm sure Judas did too. I'm sure Judas was. Uh, one who probably wanted to be in the, uh, the finance, be in charge of the money, I'm sure. Uh, but what a beautiful picture. But we see, secondly, within this story, Martha was distracted. She was spiritually distracted. And let us observe Martha in this picture. And we could say Martha was showing her love to the Savior by serving. And, you know, that's what we're supposed to do, aren't we? We're talking about missions. We're talking about going. We're talking about serving. We're talking about doing doing here in Chesapeake. We're talking about uh, giving gospel, and we're supposed to be doing that. We are commanded to go. But what's Jesus gonna do in this situation? Turn back to Luke 10, 38. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister left me to serve alone? And she does something uh, very dangerous. We probably all have done this though. She gives a imperative to the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God bid her therefore that she help me. And we don't, shouldn't get too hard on Mar- Martha. I'm sure that we've done that too haven't we? Lord, I pr- Lord do, please do this. We might say please but we're directing the Lord do, to do something in our lives. Uh, I want to marry this person. I want to do this. Lord help me to do this. Help me please. We're directing the Lord to guide our lives instead of surrendering our lives every day. And she, you can imagine her, the clouds kind of roll in on the scene and Martha's a little upset, isn't she? She wants, this is supposed to be a big feast. We're supposed to have a lot of food. I need my help. Jesus, bid her therefore that she help me. Jesus is going to respond. Now Jesus is going to have to say something, isn't it? Uh, He was given an imperative a direction to do something, what's Jesus going to say? Well, he's got to stick up for one of the sisters, and we're going to see that he's going to stick up for Mary. Jesus answered, said unto her, Martha, Martha, when we see that in the Bible, uh, emphasis, thou art careful and troubled about many things, and that, uh, I was not a very good Greek student, but this word careful means merenaho, merenaho, that means divided, And he says, you're divided in your mind. Of course, Jesus can diagnose us spiritually. He says, Mary, you're divided in your mind. And isn't that something we can do when we serve the Lord Jesus? You can be in omniscience, we can be on deputation, uh, whatever. But we can get divided in our mind, can't we? We haven't spent that time with the Lord. In Martha, you're divided in your mind. You're careful, troubled. In another Greek word, that is a picture of Uh, water rolling over rocks, rushing water, within your soul, your, your soul is disturbed. Your mind is divided, your soul is disturbed. And we should not get too hard on Martha because we've all been there, right? We're all human beings. And we want to serve the Lord. We want to go to the mission field. We want to serve the Lord in our local church. But the Lord says this, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall be not taken away from her. I can think of my, my grandmother. Uh, grandmothers get special names, don't they? I didn't really realize that. My mother, grandmother, had a special name. Her, her, her special name was Mamu. She was from Kentucky, eastern Kentucky, and one of the poorest counties in Kentucky. And uh, they went up during the Great Depression up to Michigan where the jobs were, uh, Highway 23, a lot of the Kentuckians went up there and invaded Michigan. And uh, Epsilon Ann Arbor was uh, the hillbilly area of all the jobs and with Ford Motor Company. My grandfather worked for Ford Motor Company. But I remember on Sundays when we would go to Mamu's house, and uh, we were supposed to call her Mamu. I was just told to do that when I was a six-year-old. And, and our grandfather was Papu, and uh, his name was Grady, Grady uh, Salyer and uh, worked at Ford Motor Company, um, but they would have fried chicken, and she was just uh, a server. She was a Martha. She would have her fried chicken, and I won't take too much on this, but she used a cast iron skillet cooking her fried chicken, and uh, Crisco oil. I found out there's still Crisco. I saw it on the, uh Crisco oil, and uh, she would uh, batter with, with flour and herbs and spices, and it was so good, I thought Colonel Sanders stole, must have stole Grandma's Recipe, and she worked in a restaurant. But something about uh, Kentuckians and fried chicken—I'm not sure exactly—but there's a lot of hills, so maybe they don't raise a lot of cows. But uh, but that was a great thing. She would serve, and she would serve a gravy and all the all the fixings. And she would she wouldn't sit down. The table could only hold four four people there, and she would stand over and she would serve and serve and serve. And she wasn't one that would say, "I love you." I love you know. She was the spiritual backbone of our family. Uh, My father would go to Bob Jones. uh, But she showed her love by serving. It's my point. And we can see Martha in that. We can see us uh, serving and wanting to go and wanting to do. But Jesus says, one thing is needful. Maybe it's a play on words. Maybe Jesus is saying, one dish is, is needful, Martha. But this dish, this food that Mary is getting, Mary hath chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. What's the spiritual application the most important service is to listen to our savior first before we serve before we serve, excuse me. Before we serve our savior, let us sup with our savior. We see in Revelation 3:20, John writes, behold I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come unto him, will sup with him and he with me. And you know that's what Jesus wants from us most the first thing, doesn't he? And my my question to myself and to you is: Do we have that special place in our lives that every day we go and we we sit with the Savior, and we sup with the Savior? Uh, my time is in the morning, um, and I tell you, when I was working, it was hard to get, to really read the Bible in the morning. I would do it on my breaks sometimes and read at night. Um, but it's great to be able to read the Bible in the morning. I like to go outdoors. Uh, my wife has a, a special place. I have a special place. I like to go outdoors. I like the fresh air, see the birds, try not to get too distracted, the chipmunks, and I like to start a bonfire, and that's just my time with my coffee. And uh, reading the Bible, uh, Brother, Brother Childs, Dr. Childs, would tell us, Ambassador Students, he would say, as you open your Bible, uh, quote, Psalms 119.18, Open thou my eyes, that I might behold wondrous things that are thy law. And when you pray that, and you really mean it? God will show you something new from God's word. It might be something little, it might be something well, I've never noticed that. but we need to pray and have that time with the Lord. before we uh, serve Him. David would write Psalms 42:1, "As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panneth my soul after thee, O God. Do we have that desire to get in God's word? Uh, like David did, how David loved God, and he served, he made a lot of mistakes. But he was a great uh, person to ask for forgiveness. He loved the Lord Jesus, didn't he? He didn't worship any other idols like his son or many of the other kings would do. James 4.8 says, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. We need to make that first step, don't we? As we grow and become Christians, as we want to serve the Lord, we need to listen to our commander-in-chief to give us the orders for us. But we see in the second point, our final point, is her wrought work. She listens to Jesus. Jesus saying, I'm going to die, Mary. Uh, I'm going to be slain, but I'll be raised. Also, he would say, Mark 14, 1 through 9, in our second scene here. After two days was the feast of Passover. So we see this is one of the three feasts. This is right before Jesus would be crucified. And of unleavened bread, and the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might take him by craft and put him to death. But they said, not on a feast day, lest there be an uproar of the people. And one thing the scribes and the chief priests, one thing they loved is they loved their positions. They couldn't uh, rule their country, but they loved the positions that they had. And they didn't want to lose that. They knew if there would be a riot or an uproar, or a different change within the system. They felt that they would lose their position. That was uh, described in the Bible, also in another place. Uh, But they feared that the Romans would uh, crush the uproar, they would lose their positions, but they did not want Jesus to live. In being, verse 3, "...and being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, a man who got healed, as he sat at meat, Jesus... There came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious. She broke the box and poured it on his head. Doesn't say who this is. We would see in the previous passage in John, it was Mary of Bethany. So what another beautiful uh, situation, isn't this? Uh, Mary has not said a word. She sat at Jesus' feet. Here's Mary again. She comes in. There's a festival feast right before Jesus is about to be crucified, and she brings in this alabaster box, I found out that, I thought it was wooden actually, but it was actually a granite. It's a one-time break, I suppose. And it was a, the Romans loved spikenard. What was spikenard? You would think you'd hear a nard and spikenard. Well, spikenard was a perfume. It was considered like liquid gold. You can, you can use it in transactions. Uh, the Romans would love it. They'd use this nard, spikenard, and put a little drop on your forehead. What a beautiful scent it was. Where'd it come? It came from the Himalayas. We think of our highest point at the eastern uh, of the Mississippi is Mount Mitchell, North Carolina, 4,000 feet. But you would have to travel 10,000 to 16,000 feet to harvest this little flower uh, in the Himalayas. And they would crush these flowers. It would make this beautiful uh, ointment, this nard. And the value was great value. And we see that she had uh, 300 pence worth. That's a whole year's wage. If you can imagine what's the average wage in America, I'm not sure, but maybe $50,000. And this is a a gift of $50,000 to our Lord Jesus. Uh, Possibly her life savings that she would save to start a family, to give to to the marriage, to start off. What an important thing it was. But she did a beautiful thing and she gives it because she heard that Jesus would be crucified. Verse 4, And there were some that had indignation with themselves. Here come the dark clouds, and said, Why was this waste of ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence, and have been given to the poor. So one person starts this, and then the whole group, they murmured against her. Let's look at a parallel passage to get a clearer picture. Very quickly, John, chapter 12, verse 3. As you get a different testimony, a different picture. Verse 2, they made him a supper Martha served. I think she learned a lesson. She's quiet. But Lazarus was one of them. Here's Lazarus in the picture of them that sat at the table with him. Then took Mary, a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus, wiped his feet with the hair, and the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. It was so pugnant, it filled the whole house. Then saith one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him, this is the instigator here, why was this not ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, Because he was a thief and had the bag and bear that was therein. So Judas uh, starts this. He sees this great commodity. It could have been sold. I'm sure he thought, hey, I can have some fun with this, right? I could use some of it for my own pleasure. Uh, The disciples are deceived. Then they jumped in. We saw in the other passage. And they jump in on Mary. She hasn't said anything. She's just given this great sacrifice to Lord Jesus. Jesus is in another position. What's he going to do? He's going to say, Disciples, you're right. She shouldn't have done this. Or is she going to say, or is he going to say, is he going to protect Mary? We know what's going to happen. Jesus said, Let her alone. Why trouble you her? She hath wrought a good work on me. For we have the poor with you always, and whatsoever you you may do with them good, but me ye have not always. And if we turn back to uh, Luke, so we go back to that scene too. Uh, we see what Jesus says in defense. I'm not Luke, excuse me, Mark. 14. You look, turn to Mark, and then we're gonna we're gonna wrap up here. 14, six. Jesus says, "Let her alone. Why trouble ye her?" She hath wrought a good work on me. So let's do a little Greek again, wrought. Uh, you might say, well, that is an antiquated word. Well, we think of wrought wo- uh, iron, correct? So there's, we use wrought, and that is an airst verb, and that means to work. So she has done a work. She has done a, a job, a one-time job here. She has worked, and she has worked a good work on me. Good, uh, our brother's a Greek student, uh, I know he's here, I can't see him right now, but uh, one of the brothers teaches Greek. And uh, one thing you learn in Greek is that uh, good has three different Greek words to it. So we say good, and but as you want to get a clear vision of what he's saying, it can be three different variations of good. And Jesus uses the word kalos, and that is the most highest good uh, to describe that good work, is a beautiful work. And Jesus says that Mary has worked a beautiful work for me. He defends her uh, in that Greek language. Um, just Okay, verse seven. For you have the poor with you always. Whenever ye will, you may do them good. A different Greek word, which is you, as you're speaking like eulogy, you're saying you. But me not have always. She had done what she could, she has come beforehand to anoint my body to, to the burying. So we see the 360 that Jesus was talking about him crucifying. Being crucified, he would be uh, buried. Mary listened to the Jesus. She is probably one of the only few people that really got it. The disciples didn't get it. They ran, of course. They wanted to see Jesus overthrow the Romans. But Mary listened. She did what she could. And, and what a great thing! Jesus says, verse eight, she hath done what she could. And you know, you know, we might not be able to. You might not be able to go to the Philippines or South America or to the mission field, but we all can do what we can, can't we? Jesus said she had done what she could. She could not be uh, one of the disciples or go with the disciples. They went. They turned the world upside down, didn't they? The eleven disciples, of twelve. Uh, if you study their lives, they were all martyred. Thomas would go to India. He would be martyred. Uh, what a great study that is of their lives. And they gave. They finally did find out. Jesus, they would see clearly what they were supposed to do. But Mary sees it because she heard. And she had done what she could. She gave all that she had, didn't she? She gave her life savings, what she wanted for her life. And then Jesus said that she has come beforehand to anoint my body to the bearing. She had had laser focus what to do, didn't she? Why did she have laser focus? Because she spent time with the Lord Jesus Christ. And, And we need to have laser focus on what we need to do daily, don't we? What God wants you to do, what God wants me to do today and next year and for the rest of our lives. And we can find that when we sit at Jesus' feet first, before we go... And conquer the world, for, uh, reach the world for Christ. Jesus gives this memorial to her. Verily I say unto you, whatsoever the gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of her for memorial of her. Well, you don't see that Jesus saying that about my, and many other people, do you? Uh, what a high praise for this lady, this maiden who gave all of her that she had to honor the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we uh, close in uh, our time here, if we can bow our heads and close our eyes, ask a few questions, then I'll pass it to the pastor. Um, How's your life, if you'll think about this? How's your life going? How's your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you have a time that you meet with Jesus to get fresh bread every day? whether it be in the nighttime or the lunchtime or the the evening. We need to have time with the Lord. We need to hear his word first, don't we? And my second question is, after you've heard from the Lord, are you doing what you can do? It might need to be talk to the pastor about getting saved. It might need to talk to the pastor or one of the pastoral staffs, or what can I do to serve in my local church? Uh, Jesus gave his blood for the local church. And this is what we need to do, serve the Lord in the local church. And maybe God's calling you to take a step of surrender, to go to Bible college, whatever age you are, um, and to get some Bible school training, maybe a one-year, maybe a master's, and then ask the Lord, what would you have me to do with this? But you have to take a step forward, and you must do what you can do. That'll take a step of surrender. Thank you for listening